0: I spent so much of my my life thinking about the kingdom and about Jesus and about God in such a way that you had to get everything right to have a chance to know who He is, you know. And the reality is, it's pretty obvious who He is if you just look at what He does in our lives. <laughs> and you look, <laughs> I mean, seriously. And I know there's a there's a lot of ugly things that go on in the world, uh, but when you actually get in them and you start looking close and you and I, I don't have exhaustive knowledge in this, of course. But he's even in the middle of the really ugly stuff. And word changes. And so I just think that's, that's pretty cool. So we're, this is the first of two weeks we're going to talk about kind of where the Lord's leading us. And I'm pretty excited about it because some interesting opportunities have come up that are undeniably public and so uh, by nature. And so we have to talk about those and let you know what's going on. And then there's a bunch of challenges and behind-the-scenes stuff. So I, I was just seeking the Lord on, on how to um, introduce it and share it with you. And um, got some good counsel going with, with people about it. And so here, we'll give it a start and see what's up here. So there is a sense in which there is a fresh journey beginning here in Joyland. Fresh in the sense of like a new season or a new cycle. Not fresh in the sense that it's brand new like it, it's not, you know. In other words, where you've been is part of where you're going, and the trick is to stay in the moment, like you say, because there's there's value in where you've been and there's value in where you're going, but you can't interact with those things. You can react and you can anticipate, and you can extend faith and stuff, but there's something. So there's something, some cool stuff going on right now. So I, I saw this, I saw the scripture, and it kind of. There's just two scriptures I want to look at tonight. This is where Jesus called Simon and Andrew, and I want you to just to put yourself in their position and look at look at what what's there. He was going along by the Sea of Galilee. He saw Simon and Andrew, the brothers of Simon, the brother Simon, casting a net in the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, "Follow me, and I will." make you become fishers of men. That's a pretty interesting statement. Follow me is a relational statement. It's not like a rule. And it's not like a law. It's a relational invitation. And and then he took responsibility for the new thing. He said, I will make you become fishers of men. There's a lot of places Jesus takes responsibility that we don't teach about enough. At the end of John chapter 17, for instance, he stands there and says, I have made your name known, and I will make it known. So that the love which you had for me. Okay, so let's talk about your situation, Mercy. Jesus has taken responsibility to to be with you and to walk you through this and, and then the 40-day thing, the the various things, so that these points can intersect and he can fulfill what he promised at the end of John chapter 17. If you go look at it, I will make your name, Father, known to mercy so that the love which you, Father, have for me, Jesus, it'll be in mercy too. That's pretty special. That's pretty special. That is way different than the gospel just being a, a gateway Kind of thing, you know, and, and it is Jesus is a gate and narrow is the way. That's all good, but it's much, much more than just that transactional destination. It is a relational engagement that He took responsibility for. And now that the chosen's out, when when I read that particular passage of Scripture, I see the the quirkiness of Peter and, and, and Andrew, and the, you know, and then there's sort of just it's a real cool thing, but. You could see Jesus, not just walking along by the Sea of Galilee, you could see him in the response to these guys. He's working in us, he's inside us. So, what could Jesus call to Peter and Andrew mean to us as the Joyland community today? And you guys remember, I think uh, most of you uh, have heard a little bit about, and I'm going to go in more detail about it, uh, not so much tonight, but next week. But we're, we're reworking another section of the website And it's called Joyland Community, and it has to do with your voices being featured, not just mine. And we've been on that for a long time. The Snap Talks, and you've all heard this story about the sabbatical and how amazing it was. I was just stunned by what was there. And even tonight, I mean, think about this. There's no sermon you can preach that's more powerful than what you said. It just doesn't exist. It's not, it can't be done. There's good sermons, and hopefully every now and then I'll drop one, you know, someplace. But... That's not the same thing as a living witness to the vitality and life of Jesus Christ manifesting in people's lives to reveal the love of the Father. I just can't compete with that. And so there's room for teaching, but there's there's a preeminent place in the tapestry of our lives together for what went on with you. And, 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 and it could be any of the things we're talking about. Any of the things you guys are testifying. So what could it be? Well, how about this one? For us, we've come a long way into this leading to find and value our voices while recognizing that Daddy, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit's voice in and with us at the same time. So your voice is important, but the thing that makes your voice important is God's voice in you. And there's a certain value in us just being made image bearers and everybody deserves to, to be heard. Everybody deserves to be listened to. But that's not the thing that causes your voice and my voice to be able to penetrate darkness and to rise up above the malaise and culture and to turn the tide. But but it's the union between you and God. It's Christ in you, the hope of glory. That was the basis of the gospel that led Paul to the Gentile world. And um, it's it's really, really true. So here are these guys, we've come to that place and we recognize not only the value of ours, and we're going to make place for it, or we are making place for it, as we saw today. So it seems to me that God God seems to be ready, or he thinks we're ready, to release us into the next leg of our journey. And he has this journey in his heart for us, just like he did for them. He called them, follow me, follow me, follow me. But I'll make you fishers of men. And then uh, the rest is history, as they say, when you look back on it. Another way is that he has set both challenges and opportunities before us that suggest the time is near, maybe even now, for us to take the steps up and into where he sees us going. And I I don't know the geographical layout of the particular place that that uh, Peter and Andrew were fishing. But they not only had to stop doing what they were doing and let their nets down, and, and they didn't have to quit altogether, because if you remember, even after uh, Jesus... Um, was crucified, Peter went fishing, and there was a bunch of other interactions throughout Scripture where that happened. Um, Peter went and snagged that fish to pay his taxes. So who he was prior to this encounter didn't cease to be. But there was a moment where it was time to step up out of the water, up out of the normal natural fishing, and respond to what Jesus had to say. And and so it seems to me, and it seems to some of the others that we've, we've kind of been kicking around, Uh, that were there. And so we're going to talk about a few of these things tonight and again next week. And then the last part that I saw kind of as a parallel is when Jesus called Peter and Andrew, he told them what to do, and that was follow him. Now, a lot of people are preoccupied in what I consider to be sort of a negative and almost counterproductive way with what is the will of God. Because, and when it turns bad, it's like they're asking for particulars. Because I think, because this is how it was with me, I think they feel like the will of God is something that he lays before us and maybe reveals prophetically, and then stands there to see whether we're going to obey or not. And I'm not saying that obedience is not important. and I'm not saying there's not some sense in which God... Uh, leaves room for us to follow, leaves room for us to obey, leaves room for us to grow. He creates space for us to be transformed, and obedience is part of that. But that is not the fundamental nature of our relationship with God and his with us. The fundamental nature is, in that day you will know that I am in my Father, you're in me, and I'm in you. And so he never asks us, I can't think of a single instance in Scripture where he asks us to do something that he is not with us because the nature of the relationship is in and with. And so same situation here. He told them what to do, but the what was follow him. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. That's what? That's the will of God. It's a what. So he told them what, and then he told them what he would do which is, I'll make you fishers of men. But what he didn't tell them is how, and how it was going to go. He didn't make that promise. And I think that is another place we get in trouble and begin to lose sight of the fact that God's on our side. He's in us. He's with us. Uh, the declaration of, of Jesus about the Holy Spirit was that the Spirit would be in you and with you forever. That was what he promised in preparing the disciples for his own crucifixion. And so we look at our circumstances and we have a tendency to say sometimes, where are you, Lord? Well, our circumstances didn't change his commitment to lo, I'll be with you always, even to the ends of the earth. And so I think... We've been working on this stuff. I mean, you're your evidence of it. You you hung in there in the midst of it, and you're honest about that stuff. I could go other stories, stories, stories. We are already on the journey of recognizing, hey, you're good for your word, Lord. You believe what you say. You're with us. I didn't really feel like it right now. It didn't particularly feel like it when the uh, coolant was boiling through my heater into the car and I had to roll the windows down to breathe. But he was, he is, and it turned out to, to be the start of something really dynamic between me and the Lord and precious for Vicky, and good between us and the whole thing. So if we, just, if we just don't lose sight of what he's promised, and if we don't judge him, by where that promise is in its place of fulfillment and where we are in recognizing it would be a long way ahead. And um, this isn't a scolding message because I think we're there. I think that's why he's asked us and given us some of these opportunities and why he's calling us and challenging us to step up to it. So that's going to be kind of cool. So again, he told them what to do, but that what was relational wasn't a task. And he, he told them what he would do so he took responsibility to convert their, their native skills into the, the spiritual skill that would lead to the evangelization of the kingdom in the world. But he didn't tell us how. And I think that it was because he was committing in the very invitation to take the journey with them. Think about it. If you issue an invitation, follow me you're automatically including yourself in the call. And that's what Jesus did. It's right, yeah. He put himself in their call as the the centerpiece of it. I think that's very, very cool. So he he committed in the invitation to take the journey with him, and he has done the same thing for us. That's what I think you're going to see. I'm going to hope to see. I'm, I'm trying to see it too, and pretty much. That's why it's so important for you and me to be able to hear him and to have the courage to speak up when we do. Because there are times where it's confusing. There are times where it seems silent. There are times where you just don't know how it's going to work. And sometimes it comes with uh, a little job offer. Sometimes it comes with God being able to speak to someone else. Imagine that. He could speak to someone else on our behalf. That's pretty cool. The point is, he speaks, and that's a big deal. So anyway, it's really important that we realize that he tells the truth when he said, my sheep, hear my voice. Now, this is the only reversion into competitive and critical theology that I'm going to make tonight. But the idea of cessationism or some reform teachings where uh, even the way the Bible has been abused by certain doctrines like Sola Scriptura that God cannot speak unless he speaks off the pages of the Bible. Well, shame on anybody for thinking that. Because he is chatty. Now, he doesn't have to speak all the time. There's times when he'll be silent, but he talks. He named his son the Word. <laughs> it's, he talks. He talks. And so we need to believe that he hears. And and it's mostly an integrity thing. We need to believe that when he promises something, like, lo, I'll be with you always, he will. And uh, my sheep hear my voice. That's a fundamental claim in the scripture about our relationship with God, is he's going to hear it. Now, it's really important to believe that when you don't hear his voice. But it's good to believe it when you do. Because once you get going and there's momentum, then it goes in. So anyway, so that's it. And then we need the courage to speak up when we hear him say something. So that's why it was so precious what you did and others of you that have shared tonight. Okay. So the next thing I want to share with you a little bit is we had an amazing ascension on Wednesday. Now, let me ask a question. How many of you in this room have never participated in an ascension with us? Just raise your hand. All right. I want you to hand these out first to everybody. That it's a transcript of that ascension, and I want you to read this thing. So, I'm not trying to hornswoggle you into being a part of an ascension or anything, but I just want you to. Uh, I want you to have that first, and so. And I could get copies for everybody else. It's just the toner ran out when I was making them. So, yeah, each ones are fine, and we got some up front here. And then, yes. Oh yeah, I'll tell talk, them. Talk. That's good though. That's good. Alright. Good? Okay. So then just hand the rest of them out to somebody else. Anybody want one? It's really kind of cool. Alright, so uh, Tim alluded to one in his testimony. Basically, it's a, it's a couple of groups that get together online and take Jesus... The way I like to describe it is we take him seriously when uh, he revealed that uh, we're seated with him in heavenly places through the Apostle Paul, or that uh, we're to look up, Scripture says, look up where Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father. So I don't think ascensions have a necessarily vertical orientation. (laughs) They could be out, down, you know, well, okay. But basically, uh, the Scripture also says that Jesus... Uh, his body is is the the new veil, and so we get, we believe that, and we just say, Lord, whatever you want to show us, we try to go in without an agenda. Whatever you want to show us, show us. It's it's kind of like uh, having a prophetic sort of dream on purpose, on purpose, or like having a group prophetic session. Sometimes it's just it's basically given Jesus the opportunity to enlighten us and show us stuff. Well, so this was a four-part encounter in this particular ascension. And this was uh, just last uh, Wednesday afternoon. And Jessica, you'll be impressed that I was able to get the transcript done (laughs) in that amount of time. Because she's helping me with these and she knows how much work it is. Uh, Matter of fact, be sure she ends up with a copy. Here, you can take this one. And uh, and then if anybody else wants one, it actually is really, really worth it. But here's the deal. It was a four-part kind of ascension. And basically what it is, is everybody's sitting around going, well, I think I see this, or I think the Lord's seeing this, or I think that. It's, it's no more complicated, no more uh, weirdly spiritual than that. Uh, most of us have been in a place where we feel like the Lord said something. Or like like when Mercy said, the Lord dropped this 40-day thing. Wonder what that was about? You know, it's a, it's like an impression like that. Uh, you see it in scripture all the time. Uh, angels sometimes say things to people. Uh, Joseph was awakened with a dream to protect Jesus by taking him. You know, it's that kind of stuff. God's still the same God that is recorded in the scripture. So anyway, the first is a river crossing, and very briefly, I want to tell you about this because it's it's relevant. Because uh, the Lord had said to me before Wednesday, He said, "I've got something I want to show you for this stuff." and I'll tell you what the stuff is in a second. So the river crossing, uh, we came up in this place, kind of started the ascension, and uh, we we uh, had our shoes off, we are holding them, and our pants were rolled up, and the Lord was going to meet us on the other side of this little river, and the river was like, uh, you know, felt like it was a living water kind of thing. But it was an unusual experience, because the river was really cold. And I for those of you that have done a lot of ascensions, usually when you encounter elements, it's not. It's pretty pleasant, you know. But this is really, really cold. And you could feel the mud and everything like that, kind of a sensation. And I know I'm saying this like it's like it sound it could sound strange, but um, it's just the Lord engaging your imagination with something to teach something or to open up Scripture, understanding in new ways, and stuff like that. Uh, and it's not such a weird thing that God uses our imagination. You do realize that everything that was ever designed and come into reality first started in somebody's imagination. right? So this did, somebody goes this, somebody goes, hey, if you spin this stuff around, maybe that'll wiggle like that. See, that's it's part of being an image bearer. It's part of being in creation. So anyway, we, we walked across the river, and that was really all there was to it, except it was very cold, and it was very refreshing. So when we got to the other side, Jesus kind of met us over there, and then uh, he was helping us through the river, and it was very peaceful, and there wasn't a lot of uh, verbal communication, but he had this really amused look on his face. And then there was this berm about this high, so it was, and it kind of came down like this, so if the river was here, we'd get out of the river. And then there was a place like this that everybody had the sensation, well, we're supposed to climb that. And a couple of people, uh, both at the sort of almost the same time, said, I really have in my heart that this is going to a higher place. But it wasn't that much higher. It was only like five steps. So it was just, but, but that one felt like higher place. And then the sensation uh, was that there was a beautiful land on the other side, very serene. And so we, we uh, agreed to do that and got up on top. And then, uh, the thing about the ascent point was that as soon as people mentioned, a couple people mentioned that we're, we're being called to a higher place, a whole bunch of us realized that every time we had ever contemplated being called by God to a higher place, it was a long, steep, arduous journey. You mean we can get to a higher place by just taking five steps? Wow! It was so easy. That was the point. You guys make this thing a big challenge all the time. I just want you to come up here and boom, 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 five steps, you're in a higher place. Does that make sense? It was very encouraging because there's a bunch of things we're being called to do um, you know, behind the scenes and out front that it's so easy to get all wound up interpreting them. It's going to be like scaling Everest or something. But this higher place was accessible with only five steps. And somebody said, five? Isn't that the number of grace? It goes, it seems like it. (laughs) So anyway, it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. So uh, I appreciate you hanging in if if this is unfamiliar to you, because I'm I'm not going to explain everything super well. But nevertheless, so we're up on the top of that. And then we encountered this thing that I called the blindness. And it was one of the weirdest experiences I'd ever had in Ascension, because you're already kind of engaged in, in, a, in, a, in a dream type thing, or in an in a imagination deal. But I was having an imaginational vision inside an imaginational vision. So I could see, we were up there, I got up on top, I knew I was in that higher place, Jesus was super goofy looking, he was amused, he was having a ball with us. And in, as I was looking out, it was just like this beautiful sort of serene place. It was, it was warm now, warm on our feet and stuff. And he was kind of encouraging us to get our shoes back on And uh, after we'd crossed the river. And we still felt the refreshingness of the cold, but the ground was warm. But in my mind, and then a couple other people, and they all came out independently, we saw people sitting up there, huddled around a little tiny fire, Just, they were kind of in this position. And then somebody noticed they were holding like a statue, a little gold statue. And they could not see the land that we were looking at, that they were sitting in the middle. But the weird part was we couldn't see them either. So I thought like maybe they were a long way away, you know, beyond the horizon or something. But then everybody, as we were asking the Lord and kind of exploring that, everybody goes, No, they're close. They're right around here somewhere. So they're not far away. They're in this higher place, too. but They can't see it. And, and then the imagery kind of came out. How many of you read the, uh, I think it's called The Last Battle. Um, it's the final book in the Chronicles of Narnia by C.S. Lewis. If you haven't read it, oh my gosh, uh, read the Chronicles of Narnia. They're fantastic. But what happened was they, were, they went to Aslan's land, and they were in this stable, and the kids that New Aslan could see what was going on. But the dwarfs, who were skeptics for the dwarfs, they were sitting in this beautiful place, but all they could sense was they were just huddled in this filthy filthy, uh, stable. And when somebody tried to give them a goblet of wine, they thought that they had pulled it out of this uh, filth-infested water. So they had an internal kind of blindness. But the interesting thing was, their blindness created this little dome thing over them that was somehow keeping them from looking out and seeing, but it also kept us from, with our natural sort of eyes, seeing them. And what the Lord began to show us, one by one, different ways, is that we have to be careful, or the blindness that other people are under will blind us to them as well. And so we're people who don't need to be subject to other people's blindness. We need to be able to recognize Christ in them as the hope of glory. It was really kind of a cool revelation. And so, you never know, you know, we kind of thought, well, maybe we're going to break that dome off of them. But no, Jesus was just grinning. And as soon as we got our shoes on, He gave us each another pair of shoes. And they were shoes for those people. And so, then the deliverance and the freedom came. And the end of the ascension was each of us were like assigned one of the people. And all of us had been able to see them, but, but we couldn't see them for a while. And then all of a sudden we started getting an idea of where they were. And we walked over, and the dome didn't present any kind of physical barrier. We walked right through it, and the people were very gracious. It wasn't like they were super willing or looking for deliverance. But when we reached down, and there's a description in there that Shannon Kirby gives. It's just beautiful. Uh, she, she just laid her hands on, on their hands and helped, helped them stand up and then knelt down and began to put the shoes on them. And by the end of the ascension, all that blindness, all the domes were gone, and we were just celebrating, and Jesus was there, and then we all noticed that they're doing the exact same thing with us. So the deliverance wasn't a traumatic process, it was, it was a humble process on our part to see their worth. It was pretty cool. So, that led me to this. And this is the scriptural sort of anchor in my heart right now for, for the things that we're being called to do. And the culmination of what the Lord's helped us to do as far as understanding that He speaks, having the courage to wait it out, having the courage to listen, getting up in the morning and, 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 and believing the Lord's going to speak to you when you pray, or speak to you in your journal, or something like that. And so it's this passage. This is the Apostle Paul. Therefore, since we have this ministry, as we receive mercy, we do not lose heart. But we have renounced the things hidden because of shame, not walking in craftiness or adulterating the Word of God, but by the manifestation of truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, so imagine those people who didn't see the beauty in in the land around them, and they didn't see the Lord there with them. Even if the gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, in whose case the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelieving so that they may not see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. So the point of the enemy is not just to strike a person blind. It is to make it so they can't obey the simple fundamental thing of following Jesus, can't acknowledge uh, God in all their ways and let him guide their path. People are blind to the presence and the goodness of God. And the ministry that Paul has is to deliver them from that blindness. Because we know, we've received mercy, we can see, and therefore they don't yet need to see if we can see. And what the Ascension kind of pointed out to, to me is that it, it's just a simple matter of walking up and taking somebody's hand, walking up and engaging with, walking up and having a kind word, keeping our eyes open, looking, seeing beyond the blindness that the God of this age does. Uh because we don't have to preach ourselves. And that's something when, you know, you're talking to the Apostle Paul, because he has some things, some cred. But we don't have to, to, to preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus is Lord and ourselves as your bondservants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, Light shall shine out of darkness, is the one who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. So the thing the world needs is to be able to see that with Jesus. Now I'm going to read this in uh, NT Wright's translation, because I think it's really good. And I, I marked the wrong place. All right. So here's how here's how Wright puts it. For this reason, since we have this work entrusted to us in accordance with the mercy we have received. So keep in mind, I'm I'm introducing to you tonight where I think the Lord is taking us and some of the unusual and new things that that's going to be. It's, it's the fruit of love and mercy. And it's, it's, we're, we're candidates for this because of the goodness of God, the grace of God, but also because we have obeyed and, and, and said, sure, Lord. Uh, on the contrary, we have renounced the secret things that make people ashamed. That's huge. So much of what God does in people's lives doesn't get testified to because they're ashamed that they ever needed it to happen in the first place. And that is just playing into the hands of the enemy. And so you guys' testimonies, my testimonies, these are amazing things. Like, it wasn't that fun that Jen outed me that my wife has driven around in a ratty car for most of our lives. I'm not ashamed. I'm not hiding it. You know know what I mean? That's no, no big deal at all. But... But, <laughs> you can see how when you've, when, when you've got some weird standard that you think you ought to already have achieved or behaved like, some level of spirituality that validates that, okay, I am good with God, I'm good, That is, just, it plays into the deception It keeps us from it. So anyway, let me keep reading this here. On the contrary, we have renounced the secret things that make people ashamed. We don't use tricks. We don't falsify God's word. Rather, we speak the truth openly and recommend ourselves to everybody's conscience in the presence of God. Being able to testify openly and truthfully is kind of like saying, well, here it is, warts and all. And that's a good thing. Because everybody's got those. However, if our gospel still remains veiled, it's veiled for people who are perishing, what's happening there? is that the God of this world has blinded the minds of unbelievers. It wasn't that those people's eyes didn't work in the ascension. It wasn't that ours, it's the mind. You can be staring glory in the face like the Pharisees did when they stood in front of Jesus and not recognize Him. Because the mind was darkened. Paul talks about that in Colossians. Um, What's happening there is the God of this world has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they won't see the light of the gospel of the glory of the Messiah who is God's image. And we don't proclaim ourselves, you see, but Jesus the Messiah is Lord and ourselves as your servants because of Jesus. Because the God who said, let light shine out of darkness has shone in our hearts to produce the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus the Messiah. I just think it's a nice fresh reading. So, So, kind of, for me, the sabbatical opened my eyes in a new way to how important what Jesus says through you. And that we have to make place for that. And once I committed to making place for that, and then, you know, it was awesome. I mean, Jen wanted to do the testimonies, and this was a while building. But now, just think back to some of the testimonial things that we've had. I mean, my goodness, these are very powerful. People hear them. Uh, the Snap Talks are the same way. Uh, We just had some evidence from Susan that she listened to Ronnie's Snap Talk on depression and and God being in it and gave her hope that there's a place. Not only with us, but for her to experience the longing that's in her heart. And So we really appreciate it. So, anyway, this is just the first one I'm going to introduce to you because it's sort of fun and it's sort of uh, nerve-wracking and it brings out all the insecurities about saying yes to the Lord for something. So there's a, a thing called the Grace Awakening Network. Uh, it's the the child of uh, the cooperation between Jesus and a pastor named Don Keithy. And he, he's been working in their website in that way for a while. But it, it came to my and Vicki's attention uh, about a month and a half ago that they are putting together a Roku channel for the Grace Awakening Network. And the mission of it, it's, it's not going to be super. They're not trying to make it super slick, um, you know. Like a uh, everything has to be TV production quality. Um, one of the ones that Robin Smith talks about, who's coordinating some of this stuff, is there's a couple guys uh, named Larry and Dave, I think, uh, and their their show is called Finding Our Way, and they ride around in a pickup and talk about encountering Jesus in everyday life. You know, so it's stuff like And there's going to be some great shows, but some friends of our uh, our lives and People we respect, like Paul Young's going to be on the network. Baxter Kruger's going to be on the network. Bill Vanderbush is going to be on the network. Um, um, yeah, John Crowder is going to have a couple of shows. Steve McVeigh's going to have a show. Uh, a number of people that I follow and, and engage with on Facebook uh, that are you know, just preoccupied with the goodness of God and all the stuff we're talking about. So it's a pretty cool deal. And uh, so it'll be on, on Roku. And everywhere that Roku's are which is 19 countries and this sounds really exciting and I believe it is going to be very exciting but the numbers uh, of Roku households is quite large there's like 7.4 million Roku households in the United States Canada some other places in this hemisphere in Europe and so on so there's the potential for a lot now just because you have Roku or, or you have a network on your Roku TV doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be watching it but there's a bunch of promotion that can go on. We can always take the shows that, w- that we produce. The, the shows are 28 minutes long, and they are um, uh, once a week. And then at the beginning, when the network's not full, uh, it'll be repeated some other times. Yes, sweetie? Okay, so if you do go to your Roku TV tonight, do this. You want to? Um, it says um, it's on Roku TV. Go to the home page on Roku or however you say that, and type in Grace and Awakening Network. And uh, if you have voice activation, you can just say Grace Awakening Network, and it should come up, and you should be able to, to log in. A lot of people are typing in GAN, and they can't find it. Okay. So you have to actually type in Grace Awakening Network. Okay, and so the network launched today, March 1st. Now, we're not, we signed up just a, a little while ago, and yeah, I think they did, and, and for us as a church and stuff, and I'll talk more about those details later. But um, we're obviously not going to be able to have episodes ready uh, for a few weeks. Uh, Greg and I had some conversation about what would be required to get this going. So we're probably going to start no later than the first Friday in April. Now, uh, I don't want to bore you with all the details, but uh, you got you get to pick a slot, which is your normal time. And so we prayed about a lot, I, and we end up picking seven to seven thirty. Is that right? Yeah, seven to seven thirty Eastern time on Friday, p.m. p.m. Now it's probably not the best time slot to just uh, accrue an audience because it puts it at drive time on the West Coast and Pacific time, but it's a perfect time for us to design a show around all of our voices, and and have as the invitation at the end of the show. You can join the host, and you can jo- and join the panelists, you can, enjoy, you can join the people right now. We'll get a cup of coffee, and log in to Zoom at 3377-33377, and you can talk to the host. Now, the shows are pre-recorded, but they're going to run from 5 to 5.30 our time. So we're going to build a routine where instead of just opening Zoom at 6 o'clock for the Zoomers, we're going to be back there and open it at 5.30 to receive these people. And I'm kind of trying to build my routine into something, and I'd love some of you to help me do that, uh, where we can watch this show that night. So let's say a show is pre-recorded, but it, it we recorded it a month ago, or four, four weeks, three weeks ago, whatever it is. I'd like to refresh. I'm planning on refreshing and being sharp about that. And then we'll know the schedule that they get posted on. So if it happened to be a conversation between me and Jessica or a panel of three of us and and your voices are going to be in it all all over the place, then if you want to, then uh, it would be where we could actually invite people to watch the show. And if something touched them, like your testimony touched them, they could log in and say hi to you if you want to be here or that we, we, I could talk to them about it, or others could talk to them about it. So we'll have to see. It sounds fun. I, I think it has interesting potential, and we'll see. So the the uh, responsibility that we had, so that's a graphic that they, they're using for advertising. Uh, we had to give them a picture, and we had, uh, or they call it a headshot, which normally is what everybody that's just like a solo doer doing it, a picture and a name. And some of the folks that are here from Tuesday night went through the arduous brainstorming test to try to help nail down the names. We had lots of different suggestions. And it was a little bit stressful. But not just Tuesday night, but I mean the whole name choosing thing. So the first thing that kind of came clear is that the Lord really emphasized the community aspect and the togetherness aspect and that we we were, like Jesus, actually issuing an invitation with the declaration to watch. So, uh, we were talking about joyfully together, we were talking about together and communion and all this kind of stuff. And I'm nervous right now because uh, there's some of you that were here Tuesday, and I don't know whether you're going to think this is good, bad, or indifferent, but just please trust that we went to the Lord and spent a bunch of time trying to hear and so the together thing, Cheryl, because that was something you were advocating, that was preeminent. And what that led to do is get the the with host line done first. And so like um, the title has, or, or, I mean, all the shows have the title and then a with line. So for instance, Paul Young's title is uh, uh, the Shack Revisited and with Paul Young is the the host. Or Baxter Krueger says Perichoresis Connect with uh, Dr. C. Baxter Krueger. So, see what I'm saying? So, the tagline that we came up with to house the invitation and the togetherness is with Larry McKnight and the Joyland community. So, it doesn't do the whole invitation, but it, it starts the thing With the idea that you can be a part of the community. So with Larry McKnight, and then the the show that we eventually came up, the show name was because there was all about voices, there's all about this stuff. Anyway, I might have just show you. There it is. So the show title is Love Capitalized Speaks. With Larry McKnight and the Joyland community. And there some of you are i pilfered that off of the snow night when we were all on zoom and so if any of you that are up there are in like witness protection or anything and you need me to edit your picture out i can do that and put someone else in but that's that's one of the first thing you know the other is the joyland community website uh, i apologize to, to zoomers for Especially those of you that have gone on there and signed up after we did that that one show, um, we're making progress. Uh, Vicky and I did get extraordinarily busy in the sense of trying to get rid of that house, but it opened the door for some things. And so anyway, that's probably that or something very much like that is what we'll we'll see in a few weeks. Any okay so. Thoughts, questions, insights, feedback. Anybody on Zoom? What do you think? Thumbs up, thumbs down, neutral. See a couple thumbs up, bunch of thumbs up. Okay. Yes. Oh, cool. Hi, Janet. Hi. Hi. I'm, I'm wondering, wondering if uh, Roku would, would be the, be the same, same thing, thing as, a as a Fire Stick. stick. Uh, no, you can get the Roku app on a Fire Stick TV. All you got to do is just uh, download it. But uh, Roku is, is kind of the the native thing there. It'll play okay. on a Fire Stick TV. You just got to download it. I'll download the Roku yeah. app. Okay. okay. Up. Up. okay. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks. All right. So I've kept you a while. Uh, go ahead, Ryan. They're like 30-minute shows. They are 28-minute shows. What are you going to be, or what are we going to be talking about? God's love, obviously. In God speaking. uh, Like, uh, we're we're creating, uh, Greg and I were talking about some technical aspects. We're creating a couple episode templates uh, to get us started. Uh, One of them would be based around testimonials. So the testimonial could show, and then we could have a discussion or a small panel discussion with that to encourage people about stuff like that. Another, uh, 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 um, there obviously can be a teaching, teaching kind of format show. And then there's also the idea of voices joining via Zoom. So either uh, Zoomers that could come on. So we're working on those kind of templates. But it will, it will for the most part, feature um, other people's voices in addition to mine or more than mine. So are we going to be recording it right before we meet here? No no we'll be uh we'll be pulling these up and then we'll decide it makes it makes sense once we get going and we understand what we're doing and have the templates to maybe set aside a block of time and record three or four shows so we probably end up doing that on a weekend or something like that so like Mm pre-recorded they're all pre-recorded yeah they're all pre-recorded any other thoughts or questions anybody excited to be on tv Okay, get. Yeah. Alright. So uh, do make it if you can next week. We're going to get into some of the details of how this is going to work. And uh, also, just get everybody up to date with where we are and where this following Jesus thing is and has led us. So that's coming next week. I think to add a little bit to next week, though, if, uh, honestly, it would be really helpful if everyone would just pray and ask the Lord about what what Joyland, how he's blessed you through the church, kind of what drew you to the church, and what you might see for Joyland going forward. Because we, we really do want to get everyone's voices next week. Because I, mean, I think that's really, really crucial. This is a really exciting opportunity for Joyland, but it's not the complete extent of Joyland. Absolutely. Absolutely. So. Yeah. So please do. Yeah, come ready to share. Come ready to let us know. Again, you guys are not reticent usually to to ask questions or or to have testimonies, but don't be surprised if some unique key part of what God wants for us to be comes through you. I'm expecting that for sure. All right. Well, Lord, thank you. Uh, This is weird and fun and and weird. So, thank you for trusting us with your voice. Each of us. And we come against any sense of depreciation of the value of what you have to say uniquely through every person in this room and on, on Zoom. Give us the grace. Give us the technical intervention to serve you in this way. And I reflect back on those people who were blinded by the reliance on that little statue. It was an Oscar. And it kind of represented pride and accomplishment. But it it led them into a very narrow, blinded place. Speak to us so that we can know and be used to help people see You and the beautiful world that you've placed us in. Thank you. Jesus' name. All right. Well, thank you guys. That was that was fun. Any different.